should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Hello, and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast. We read them, but we don't have them because also failed to be elected on the first ballot. My name is Kevin and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict who will be announcing his house speaker run later today. Benedict, how was your New Year's vacation? It's fine, yeah. Can I, can I be house speaker or do I have to have been a citizen for a certain amount? I don't know, to be honest. Because you uh, have to be, I think it's like you have to be, is it, how long is it you have to be a citizen to be a, a representative? Is it five years or seven yeah, years? Yeah, something like that. Let me see. I'll just look up House Speaker qualifications. Because it doesn't see. have to be a sitting member of the House. We know that. Yeah, because everyone made a whole deal that they were going to have Trump be it. Blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. Bullshit like that. But let's see. Constitutional qualifications. U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, 25 years old. Obviously, uh, you you meet that one. You're fifty. That's uh, to be that's to be a rep though. That's not to be speaker. Yeah, I know it doesn't say speaker, huh? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe okay. that's well, just that's an fine. oversight. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure they were super clear on the speaker rules when they wrote the constitution. Yeah, because uh, if the speaker doesn't have to be a member of the house, then they don't have to meet those qualifications i have no idea no, none I of this don't. matters <laughs> and when people matters. listen to this episode 10 years from now not remembering anything they will that... remember this. this is the first time this has happened since 1923 or something <laughs> it is a whole lot of fun it's a giant yeah. shit show and it i is. love it it's actually my hot take this week I'll, I'll get ahead of it is that it's extremely funny that this is like it's like the reaping and sowing thing isn't it oh like, yes me, me, me reaping yeah yeah me <laughs> sowing what the fuck other way around, but yeah, yeah, I get what you're going for. I get what Whatever, you're going yeah. for. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, vacation, New Year's, how was it? Good, yeah, no, another year has passed uh, that mm-hmm. the world didn't end, so that's good, I guess. Um, yeah, didn't do very much. I was not in this country, which was fine. Um, transatlantic flights are too long, as always. I think they should consider moving the UK closer. Um, we really need <laughs> no benedict high speed rail is the answer high speed rail from the u.s to the uk is that's the true answer. uh maglev or whatever um, yeah i yeah. think they considered doing that at one point or like they were like they priced it out or something i, or I don't know if anybody expensive. actually priced it out but every now and then you'd see like those programs like we could put a tunnel a hundred feet under the ocean uh floor or something and have just have, you know make it a vacuum so that we can have the trains go super fast and blah was stuff that Elon Musk? is that that's yeah. probably what it was that's yeah. probably what it was yeah what about you how was your vacation ah uh, you know it was great uh i didn't work uh for a couple of days which is always wow. a wonderful break for me i loved it, it was especially great. considering you were working so hard as we uh yeah i got to take a nice break after all that work right before the holidays uh i'm really enjoying it but battle it yeah you probably know uh, what it is we do here on this program. Uh, you know, th- 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 some people, some folks out there, um, those who are not Speaker of the House, they might not know what it is we do here on this program. Do you program. think Kevin McCarthy knows what it is? Do you- oh, he's also not Speaker of the <laughs> he's House. He's also not so Speaker of the House. Yeah. He has no idea what we do here on this program. But to them, I would Nancy say... Nancy Pelosi definitely did. She oh, yeah. 100%. Was in her <laughs> she a huge fan. She was a patron. She was a patron. <laughs> uh, this is the show where we go deep, 
deep, deep, deep. Oh, and I gotta mention, my little brother got me something for Christmas that is going is to enhance. It's going to enhance our deep, deep, deeps when I get it set up. Uh, I just haven't had time to yet, but I'll is get it to it. Is a thing that makes your voice deeper? Maybe it is. Uh, to deep, deep. <laughs> to plumb the depths of right wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative nonfiction and in between, taking a look at other examples of the right doing their best to make America hate again. Better start us off. Do you have a hot take for us this week? Well, I already did it, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to You kind of cheaped out on me early in the beginning. I cheap out on you. I just, I'm, I'm culturally irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I, I gave you another one, is that they should consider moving the UK closer there to the There we go. US. All right, we can roll uh, with that one. We can roll with that one. All right, what about you? Uh, my hot take this week, Benedict. Uh, Starship Troopers Terran Command is a bad video game. It's a bad game. It's a very right. bad game. And it's my hot take because I love the movie Starship Troopers. Because Paul Verhoeven's mind is fucked in ways that are so incredible and brilliant. Is, and he, made... is he the one that's like maybe a little flashy? Uh, or is that a different one? I don't know. Okay, Paul Verhoeven one? is very clearly anti-fascist. Okay. I think, th- so the am whole I, story. What am I thinking of? Well, you're thinking of the movie Starship Troopers. Oh, okay, 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 okay. That's what you're thinking of. It's a little flashy. It's it's incredibly flashy, and he did that on purpose. He made it very intentionally fascist because he went and read the Heinlein book that it's based on, Starship Troopers, uh, when he, I think he got hired to to make the movie. I don't remember what studio it was or anything, Um, but he got hired to make it, and he went and read the book, and he went, what the fuck? This is fascism. This this is all fascist. Okay. And... Let me, let me say, I've read the book. I love the book. I don't think it's as fascist as Verhoeven. I think a lot of the elements he put in the movie that make the fascism more apparent were not in the book. Okay. It was very much just a war story in the book. There are definitely fascist elements. Absolutely, they're mm-hmm. there. Uh, but he accentuated them for the film in a way that I think was so underappreciated at the time. And that movie is brilliant. The special effects are fantastic for the time it was made, 1997. You just you, you couldn't find very much else like it out there. The bugs looked so good. It's just really incredible. And he managed to play up that fascist element in a way that was incredibly entertaining and I think subversive to the genre as a whole. It was great. It was wonderful. This video game is just lazy tropes and jokes about sort of not even not even within what Paul Verhoeven came up with, but it's just sort of about the idea that Paul Verhoeven came up with for the movie. It's just, it was really disappointing. And also, as a huge fan of RTS games, real-time strategy, Mm -hmm. it's a boring, bad RTS game. It's not a very good RTS game. I played like two hours of it, and I'm someone who forces myself to complete video games even if I don't like them. (laughs) And I'm going to go back to it at some point, but I'm just like, this is not great. It's not a great game. There's nothing really here inspiring me to keep wanting to play this. It's not What's your favorite real-time strategy game? Oh, easily the Command & Conquer series. Okay. Easily. And and Red Alert 2, one of the greatest RTS games ever made. It's just okay. right that and like Age of Empires 2. Those are mm-hmm. those are two of the greatest. The classics, yeah. Classics. Fantastic games. Uh but anyways, Benedict. Uh mm. me talking about video games, that's enough of that. Mm. What's on your bookshelf this week? Uh well I bought a book in the UK actually called Viva la, Re- Viva la Revolution, mm. which is uh Eric Hobsbawm's writings on Latin America that I have started reading. So I think that will be what is on my bookshelf this week. It's just collected writings about uh, revolutions in Latin America, Marxism in Latin America, leftism in general in Latin America, 
Uh, Hobbs Bourne is interesting, as always. Um, except I think his daughter is like a weird neolib, which is weird. Like all the, <laughs> all the interesting Marxist historians had weird neoliberal children. You know, it's like, funny. It, for me, Bo- that's Buttigieg one thing. Is, Buttigieg's dad is like a Marxist historian as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah, oh. yeah. They, they all, they're all, the, they all, the, all the kids turned out the same. <laughs> for me, that's funny because it always goes back to the Patton Oswalt joke of how the hippies ruined the world because their kids didn't want to be anything like their parents and they yeah. grew up to be corporate Boomers. suits in the yeah. 80s or whatever. Yeah. Yuppies. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yep. funny. Always goes back to that. Well, you know, the uh, I saw the study this week that millennials are the first generation to be getting more progressive as they get older. I saw so that cool. Twitter tweet uh, 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 thing, too. I yeah. saw that as well. It's a study. It wasn't just a tweet. Yeah, yeah. It was just a tweet. Come on. We live okay, in 2023. Yeah, it was a tweet. True. It is. We do live in 2023 now. Um, yeah, okay. What's what, what's on your bookshelf? Not that video game. Presumably. No, no, not that game. Uh, I uh, picked back up uh, the other day The uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is just one of the few books that has me laughing the entire way through. It's just that that book is such slapstick, great comedy. Every line is just humorous and wonderful. And I love it. I love it. I've actually never read it. You've never read it? No. Wow. We're going to have to get you to read. We're going to have to get you to read some Douglas Adams. Okay. The man was brilliant. Uh, on to housekeeping this week. Uh, remember to rate and review us on the iTunes. Uh, follow us on the social medias at NYGBCPod and at NYGBCBen. A uh, couple mm-hmm. of updates this week. One, related to our patron only that we did, actually. Uh, the reason why Christopher Guest came to my mind, uh, I realized this as I was editing the patron only episode. Um, was because the patron only episode. <laughs> <laughs> I listened through it. Uh, I took out the couple of uh, eh, eh, um, those things. Uh, was because Al A. Philippus, who was somebody that Alex interviewed uh, on that, uh, sounds just like Christopher Guest's character in Best of Show. That was why <laughs> Christopher Guest came to mind. Uh, I'm also a huge Christopher Guest fan. Best of Show and and all of uh, even the mascots movie that they did on Netflix, I think is wonderful. I think it's really oh, wonderful. Was that Waiting Guest? for Guffman. I don't think I knew that. That was a Christopher Guest bit. Yeah, okay. yeah, really good. It's really it's really actually pretty good. Uh, another update. Uh, one thing that I wanted to highlight, and this is just something that popped into my feed uh, recently, that seems to have fallen out of the spotlight, and I feel like it didn't really get enough attention to begin with, is that Tucker Carlson had the exclusive on Kanye's anti-Semitism. Oh, yeah. He he had the exclusive. And edited around it. Edited it out! Edited it out! On purpose! Because he thought that Kanye could get some more Republican voters. That's why he edited. There's no question. Feels like why there's a he lesson there somewhere. Yeah, and we all found out about it. And I feel like, why is he not facing consequences? Why the fuck is he not facing any consequences? And I know exactly why. Nobody that cares would want to hold him responsible. Yeah, there's I mean, no cons. There yeah. just isn't. Yeah, he he, de- he deliberately hid it to ingratiate people to Kanye. And you know that also reflects, I think, on people like Candace Owens who was hanging out with Kanye, you know, throughout the entirety of all this shit. But Mm. Tucker has even less of an excuse than her, because unlike Candace, he doesn't desperately need to clout chase. So it was just intentional and deliberate, and that's been sticking in my craw, uh, and I wanted to get it out, that that was just something that that I feel like we haven't paid enough attention to. Well, consider your craw unsticked, then. (laughs) Unstuck. 
<laughs> Thank you. I was about to correct you on that. Yeah. Thank you very much. Anyways, we have some new inductees into the Spooky World New World Order. Blah, and they are three of our new patrons this week. So starting off with Baldwise, you are now part of our New World Spooky World Order. Blah. And I like to think that's Baldwise Gamgee. I don't know why, <laughs> but I feel like that'd be fun. Just from an old bald remake of... of uh... <laughs> Of the Hobbit, uh, of uh, Lord of the Rings. Does a, does, a bald ha- does a bald Hobbit have no hair on its feet or on its head? Oh, that's know. a good question. Yeah, no, that's a good question. What is the uh, more important hair to a Hobbit? I'm not. Uh, Chelsea Bainbridge Donner, you are now part of our New World Spooky World Order. And Simon Wickham, you are now part of our. Go ahead. Ah, oh, shit, wrong one. <laughs> Sometimes I click the wrong one. But you are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. You know, we haven't gone through the clips in a while. I feel like... What That's rules, true. you sons of bitches? I feel like we're just we're just missing out when I only ever play the Spooky World New World Order anymore. But you know, I, I really think that all of our clips are really... Nice. Um, nice. So, They're really... You know, really you know what? I am jealous, because Behind the Bastards did uh, Jordan Peterson's Daily Wire series... <laughs> And I really wish that we'd done it first because oh, now God. I've listened to their version of it and I can't do it. That is like, a bar alley. That yeah, sort of I, a wish, bar alley. I wish we had thought to do it first. Mm, we're not smart like that, though. It is also behind the Daily Wire Plus paywall, so which I'm not paying Yeah, for, I'm not so. paying money for any of that <laughs> shit. Fuck off. So, i all that out of the way. Oh, uh, yeah, you know, if you want to join the Spooky World New World Order, bleh. Then you should. You should. You should. By tweeting or posting about the show on social media, recommending it to others, send me a screenshot or tag us in it to let me know. Uh, leave us a five-star review wherever you can. Drop me a screenshot of it or whatever you want. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity, become a patron, or just get my attention with something good. Benedict, now, all of that out of the way, why don't we start off with our Alex Jones clip of the week? Let's do it. Uh, and I'll just let you know to begin with, uh, like I said, you know, I like to try and make these tie into the theme of the episode. Benedict is going to know how this ties in. Mm. Uh, but he has a guest on with him here, who you might hear briefly, who his name is Dr. Group, uh, and he is a chiropractor who sells pills. That is Dr. Group. Okay. Uh, sells a lot of Alex's pills. So that's that's really why he's on, because there, there are bottles of pills sitting in front of Alex as he's sitting at the info. <laughs> I'm just desk. imagining, like, he's sitting on a desk made of pills. <laughs> and they're like, you know, like, QVC, where, like, this you know? is the amount that we have. This is, like, slowly the desk around him is getting smaller and smaller as they <laughs> get rid of these pills in real time. You know, if Alex did have his own version of the Iron Throne from Game of Thrones, it would be, <laughs> it would be made of pills. <laughs> Here we go. But again, I am in a death battle. People ask how I have this much energy. Megan Kelly asked me what drugs I was on. And I said, I don't use drugs. She was kind of like, really? You don't? I don't know what that meant, but I thought she was trying to... By the way, there is speculation that one of his uh, supplements he sells, Brain Force Plus, is basically just speed. There is there is a decent amount of speculation that that is the case. Surely someone would have looked like, at that. Into, saying I was on drugs. Folks... I have hundreds of articles I see every week about human-animal chimeras with no rights. You talked about people you know in research labs. I've talked to them, too. You see humanoids. They're like 80% gorilla, 80% pig, and they're talking. Uh, and this is highly... Uh, go ahead. Case- so Alex has seen humanoid gorilla-pig uh, hybrids. Hold on. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Benedict. Alex talks about chimeras and human-fish hybrids and human-other-creature hybrids all the time. 
the, all the, the time. Thing, I'm so sheltered from Alex Jones in that I never. I know see it's him so out. much fun to so make you experience I, like, him. I, people that listen to Knowledge Fight regularly, <laughs> I, I am in awe of both listeners and the producers of Knowledge Fight. Yes. Um, yes. Ju- just because, like, I, I, like, clearly that didn't phase you at all. No. And I've been sent reeling <laughs> from him being like, I've seen Pigman in the wild. Oh. What the fuck? Oh, no, Benedict. He has a story he has told multiple times where he claims uh, that at some point, uh, while he was on Austin, I think it might have been early in his career or something, he claims when it happened, uh, a scientist from UT Austin took him to the DARPA lab and showed him the tanks with the human-fish hybrids, with sad human eyes in the tanks. He makes all these claims, and it's just like, (laughs) you're fucking joking, right? You're fucking joking. Yeah. But you know how that ties into this week's episode. I do, yeah. (laughs) Let's hear some more. I do. Case Law School in 2006 was hired to develop law okay pause for the- that's dr Sorry. group and he We're looks exactly like you think he it looks. sounds like the nick kroll character from parks and rec <laughs> crazy ira and the douche the radio shock jock he sounds no, like that guy yeah. he has shoulder length blonde hair he looks like a surfer dude that's who dr group is just so everyone knows yeah he's basically he's basically the douche or the future of transgenic Organisms, and they're already here, and we're saying we want to force a debate. What rights are they? We going want to force Do you get debate rights as what? a human if you have fifty percent DNA? Like, what That's are the rights question. that are going to be? We need to make this illegal. This needs to be illegal. I think it is. It needs illegal. To be illegal. You know, if there were human uh pig gorilla hybrids who could talk yeah you know what i'd say that needs to be illegal i would yeah. very much say that needs to be illegal we we should have aaron on and, and discuss philosophically <laughs> what percentage of rights a human pig hybrid should have does it have 50 oh god i just realized i just realized alex is just talking about man bear pig yeah he's basically. just talking about man bear pig well, that's even less. That's only 33% humans. So they only get 33% of the rights. But then they get all of the animal rights. So they'd end up with like 50% of the total rights, probably. Oh, God. I don't know. You know Maybe how, we should you just know talk how about rights this. are divisible, Benedict? Yeah, you know, yeah. You know how rights are divisible. A- and alienable, yeah. yeah. <laughs> talking about making it illegal to make child pedophile robots. Okay. Okay. You make Every second of this is just what the fuck is this going is on? All new to me. And I, again, I'm sure this is not new to many of us. I think people. sometimes it's important to point out how fucking insane Alex is. Just straight up fucking insane. No, I. Yeah, I mean he's clearly a conspiracy theorist and a right wing nut job, but also, well. He cares about the rights of human-pig hybrids, and I think we should really make sure that everyone knows that's the important thing about Alex Jones. Well, no, he thinks they should be illegal, so he's trying to take away their right to live, actually. Oh, shit! Oh, shit! He does not believe into the right to life for human-pig hybrids. Nope. Make that illegal, but but, but what about the humans spliced with animals? I mean, this is beyond pedophilia. How are those two related? Why is glyphosate legal? Why are colors legal? Uh He goes from human-pig hybrids to, why is glyphosate legal? Should I know what glyphosate is? That is the main component in Roundup, the weed killer. Oh, well, maybe that shouldn't be legal. Okay, those are two things he just connected in his mind. Man, bear, pig, and glyphosate. And also may or not be may or may not be in the pills that he sells. So You know, it's just one of those things, Ben, where it's like one of these things is real, 
one of these things is completely fucking not, and you've connected the two. It's amazing. Bizarre. I mean, Un undebated that glyphosate grows cancer. You want to make the biggest It's like change. miracle grow for cancer. Exactly. To health, the healthcare system, you want to like, look, this is ridiculous. The healthcare system, all this stuff, it's a bailout. They're giving insurance companies billions of dollars. Address the root cause of the problem. Executive order, ban glyphosate. Executive order. How do we get GMOs. from Pigman hybrids to this? I don't know. Because they're selling pills. Does glyphosate create Pigman hybrids? Because they're selling their bullshit is that, pills. Is Pigman cancer? What's happening? <laughs> Order ban artificial sweeteners, man-made chemicals and products. Hold Bally. on, artificial sweeteners? <laughs> They're not big fans of uh, stevia's natural, isn't it? Aspartame. Aspartame. That's the one. Aspartame. I always called it aspartame, but I don't know. That's... <laughs> that's a much more fun and zesty way to say it. it isn't it? It's like aspartame. <laughs> Sounds like an Italian verb. <laughs> You're telling you know, someone to do you know something the to you in Italian. Of why we're getting all this disease? I love my I love my children. We've we've got to stop this what group. What the fuck? We've got to do it. But again, they want to make jokes about it. I mean, it's like the gay frog thing. Yes, I would like to make jokes years, about it. In fact, I have been. Most of the frogs and amphibians and fish are dying. They've got they're horribly deformed. And then it's just a big joke to Colbert. I notice all his attacks make fun of us and how our genetics are being manipulated. They want to make a joke about that with the public, so no one cares. So Stephen Colbert, leading edge of deluding the public mm. about the gay frogs. Yeah. 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 That's the end of our clip, Benedict. Jesus. Was that a bit of a ride? That's my favorite clip we've done. <laughs> for sure. You like, know, no I did contest. feel like doing something a bit wackier for today. Yeah, so, no contest. So That's we my got favorite it. Clip we've done. Oh, right. Benedict, with all that out of the way, we return to our view of... Uh, why, why did I forget the name of the book? The Great Reset. <laughs> the Great Reset. By, by Charles Schwab. No, by Alex Jones, the stevia of right-wing authors. Uh, <laughs> what do we read this week, Benedict? That artificially sweet. Well, this week we read... No, uh, makes you poop. Stevia the, makes you poop. Th does it? I didn't know that. Maybe that's aspartame. One of them makes you poop. I don't remember Aspartame which one. makes you poop. <laughs> um, this week we read the first half of chapter five, which is entitled... Yuval Noah Harari, RoboCop for the Empire, in which Alex Robo does... RoboCop for the Empire! I have to well, reflect on that for a moment! I Well, okay, I, I don't... I think... Well, okay. My sense of where the title comes from of the chapter is, I think he is making reference to something he talks about in the first half of this chapter, because I haven't read the second half yet. Mm -hmm. But it's a very vague title, if that is the case. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, look, I'm just, when it comes to me, I just think of like the prime directives of mm -hmm. RoboCop, right? Protect the innocent, uphold the law. Any attempt to arrest a senior officer results in a shutdown. Like, yeah. that shit. That's all I ever think of when it comes to RoboCop and the well, prime directives. Well, you know, if he tried to tell Klaus Schwab what to do, it would it result in a shutdown. I'm pretty sure that's what he's saying. So, I, Yeah, maybe. I just, look... I get what you mean, because there's some cyborg talk. Yeah, exactly. There's some cyborg so, talk. But again, like, it, I don't think Yuval Noah Harari is saying he wants to be a cyborg. He like, might. Maybe he does. I don't know. He might. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know where he lands on it. He's yeah, a weird maybe. dude. Uh, but Benedict, do you have an alternate chapter title for us? I do. It's speculation, Your Honor, because none of this would hold up in any way in any kind mm. of... Uh, mm. Any kind of close analysis of the text uh he he simply quotes harari a whole bunch and then does the thing that he always does but even more obviously than usual in which he says 
Uh, see how Harari did that? And you're like, that's not what he said. Not even a little bit. There you go. Uh, mine, I have I have two. Uh, one is, I'd buy that for a dollar, which is a quote from the movie RoboCop, uh, and also how much I would have liked to have paid for this book. Uh, and the other, Alex Jones coincidentally finds another Jewish man he doesn't like. Mm. Mm. Isn't that weird Pure how that happens? ideology. Isn't that how that happens? Yeah. Uh, so note here at the beginning, before we really get into the chapter this week, and that is that, uh, I am taking Alex at his word about mm. what uh, uh, Harari says in his book, Sapiens, which is primarily what we're talking about, uh, because I haven't read it. I ordered a copy over the weekend, but it hasn't arrived yet. So I'm going to try and read it before we get back to this chapter in two weeks. And maybe by that time, I'll have something to say about him taking quotes out of context and all that sort of bullshit he always does. Mm. Uh, but for now, I haven't read it. It's not available online as a PDF for free, like I've done with so many other things. Uh, but... We're just going to take Alex at his word. And even if you do, he's still completely full of shit. Yeah. Uh, And I will say I have read it, but it was a long time ago. Okay. Well, the chapter begins, Benedict. Quote, There can be little doubt that Klaus Schwab loves to quote Israeli academic and writer Yuval Noah Harari. And I should note at the very beginning, he showed us one time that Klaus Schwab quoted Harari in the last chapter. As he was leading up to this chapter. Yes. So, uh, he says next, Dr. Patrick Wood told me I should consider Harari the brain of Klaus Schwab. You know what I would say? There can be little doubt that you should consider Dr. Patrick Wood the brain of Alex Jones, (laughs) given the amount that he likes to quote him. Also, coincidental that there's a Jewish man behind someone Alex finds incredibly powerful. Isn't that strange? Isn't that strange? How he's an anti-Semite. But it continues, the brain of Klaus Schwab, and many claim he is Schwab's top advisor. Now, right there... We're in the first two sentences, and I already have to give you some details on all the shit that's going on here. So, Mm. Patrick Wood is the guy who wrote all those technocracy books with weird sci-fi covers that we talked about It's the ones we were talking about before, yeah. Yes. But, here's the thing. When I read that, I didn't remember Alex ever referring to him as a doctor before. And I took the time to double-check. I can't find anything anywhere on the internet that indicates he has a doctorate of any kind. (laughs) Maybe he's a medical doctor. Well, his bio on his own website, that technocracy news whatever, uh, does not say he's a doctor. Uh, the only thing it says about his qualifications is, quote, an economist by education, a financial analyst and writer by profession, and an American constitutionalist by choice. Wood maintains a biblical worldview and has deep historical insights into the modern attacks on sovereignty, property rights, and personal freedom. Nothing in there about being a doctor, is there? No, nope. I would think you would mention it if it was Maybe. true. So I don't know if this is Alex doing a typo or intentionally trying to pump up his source's credentials, knowing that the reader is not going to check. Yeah, but I didn't check, not... I will say. Yeah, yeah, not correct there. Uh, but then we have that line after that of many claim he is Schwab's top advisor. And the source on that, there is a citation in the end notes of the book on that. Uh, that is to... Uh, the personal blog of a WorldNet daily writer named Leo Lohman, uh, which also contains such great Homan. headlines. Leo Homan. Yeah. Uh, Homan or Lohman? Did I get Homan. it wrong? You said Homan. Lohman. It's Homan. Homan. Yeah. Uh, uh, which also contains such great headlines as, quote, The single most distressing question no one wants to contemplate, has the U.S. Constitution already been terminated? 
another one, the one world religion on full display as fake faith leaders join globalist predators to push earth worship at UON COP27 conference. Great. <laughs> another noted transhumanist now targeting our children. What's inside Yuval Noah Hariri's new book for kids. So that one at least is on target there. Yep. And of course, he's got an article claiming that that soccer journalist was killed by the vaccine. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Like they've all done. Isn't that wonderful? Yep. Good yeah. stuff. So the beginning of the chapter continues, quote, did I say Hariri? I know I keep doing that with it's him. Harari. It's Harari. I keep Harari. saying Hariri. I don't know why. Uh, Harari is best known for his million copy bestsellers, which seem to find great favor with the most powerful people in the world. The front of the paperback version of his book, Sapiens, has an endorsement from Bill Gates that reads, I would recommend Sapiens to anyone who's interested in the history and future of our species. And I think that's just Alex being sore that nobody who matters endorsed his book. He couldn't get a Donald Trump quote for the cover of his book. The best he got was, you know, Tucker Carlson not talking about the book, but like he took a quote from something Tucker Carlson said on his show Mm. that really, you know, oh, maybe it is about the book. Oh, shit. Tucker Carlson actually did give a blurb for the book. I just realized that. Holy shit. Did we ever talk about that when we did the intro to this book? Uh, I don't know if it's a blurb for the book. Read it. It's like... Read it. It's on the back cover. It's right there. It says, read this uh, book and yeah, decide for yourself who's crazy. That's, a, that's fucking... I mean, I am reading it, and I am deciding that Alex Jones is crazy. Yep. I just didn't know that Tucker Carlson was that openly endorsing this bullshit. Yeah. I had no idea. Ah, that's, well, that's a little upsetting. Oh, there is a Joe Rogan quote, too, but it, that one is one that's taken it's out broader, of context. It's broader, yeah. Yeah. It's Anyways. So, uh, sorry, just quickly, I will say about um, Sapiens, is from my recollection and just from reading some of the reviews recently, um, it is like a very sweeping book mm-hmm. with a lot of, like, broad, cla- it, like, it claims to be a brief history of humankind. That's, like, the, the hook. Um, Which is so, not possible. No, it's exactly. Not it, it, it's like history. a three hundred page book that starts with the first emergence of Homo sapiens as a species. So, like, it is Im- literally impossible to cover everything. And so, essentially, it was one of those popular history books that did really well with the public. And yeah. scholars went, "That's not right." About <laughs> a lot of it. Um, so, uh, uh, before we get into it, I would, that's all I would say. Um, yeah, it's not. It's. I don't think it's the most academically rigorous book i think it's quite driven by harari's personal musings and etc rather than it you know it uses history as a basis for harari to philosophize rather than to be an academic text of any kind yes because harari i believe his background is in philosophy i think he has a doctorate of philosophy uh, yeah from I think Oxford. So. yeah well that's that's just what they call uh phds oh they're all in... called Doctors of philosophy. They're all called D- that? PhDs are called DPhils at Oxford, yeah. Oh, that's weird. Huh. It is weird. <laughs> you people well, do stuff wrong. What do you think PhD stands for? <laughs> Pud. Yeah. Person who does. Person who does. That's yeah. what it stands for. Yeah, go. I mean. I never thought about it. I did a little bit of research on Harari just to get ready for this uh, <laughs> chapter. And I, yeah, I found basically the same as you. Which is people are like, ah, eh, it's it's pop history. It's you know, it's for people to read. Yeah. It's got some interesting stuff in there, but don't take it too seriously. And also, it's like 10, 11 years old. Yeah, 
And he's also, you know, this is one of the things that's popped up a lot for us, is that unlike supposed right-wing youth phenoms like Ben Shapiro or uh, Jacob Wall, who who position themselves as such, uh, Yuval Noah Harari actually apparently was, like, you know, a, a bit of a, a savant in his youth, like, yeah. started college at 17 and stuff and all that going on, which... That, that all, for me, is always a warning sign. Yeah, don't, don't trust do anybody who starts college at 17. I mean, yeah. I think it matters less here mm. when you start college, but, like, in the UK, when you can start drinking at 18, I know everyone does here anyway, but, yeah. like, you know. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we did, Ben Licked. Uh, but so, continuing, skipping on to the next page, he just has a, a basically a blurb about Harari's, like, background and stuff. It doesn't matter. That's on the WEF page. Yes, yes, that's why. That's why He, he loves there. the phrase, there can be little doubt. He's opened, like, 17 so different paragraphs many. with there yeah. can be little doubt. Yeah, all the time. And, you know, all of us as writers have those little crutch phrases, right? We all have them that we overuse, and we think back when we go back to the reread, ah, I need to change that 20 yeah. times because I used it a bunch. But he says, quote, There can be little doubt of Harari's intelligence, but what of his judgment? Is he wise in how he approaches things? Karl Marx was certainly of high intelligence, as his critique of 19th century capitalism can still strike us as containing great truth. And that, I can't believe Alex approved that to go out in the book. Well, but everything everything has changed since the 19th century. Capitalism's fixed now. So it's Uh, 19th century capitalism that was bad. That's true, that's true. Continuing, and yet communism has been responsible for untold suffering around the world. Like Marx, Harari seeks to remake society, professing a unique reinterpretation of history, which better suits his aims. It has been said that if you control the past, you control the future. And there is a citation there, and is to testify by Rage Against the Machine. Uh, (laughs) The first task before Harari is to convince you that your understanding of the past is flawed. And once he convinces you of that, it will be so much easier to move you to his desired future. No, there was no no citation to Rage, okay? Alex is not that cool. That Alex has never listened to Rage. Alex should listen to Rage Against the Machine. I think it might turn him Marxist. Like, I, I mean, genuinely, he's been in radio so long. I think he knows. He's he's heard Rage. He's heard probably, plenty of Rage. Yeah, probably. Um. So th- here's the other thing. I don't know that any of this, any of Harari's writing, is a treatise on anything or a, a plan for anything. I think it's a yeah. hey, here's a bunch of things that are happening we're going to have to deal with them at some point. Yeah, it's that same, it's always descriptive versus uh, prescriptive, uh, yeah. prescriptive thing that we we run across with a lot of these authors where they take something descriptive and say it's prescriptive and then they apply all their evil intentions. Uh, they yeah, I mean, I think where Harari is different is that he's talking about things that he thinks will happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a lot of the studies we've looked at in the past were describing things that were observed contemporaneously. Um, but Harari is like, this is what it's going to be like in 50 years if things continue the way I see them going. So he's making predictions rather than prescriptions. So this is another <laughs> prediction versus prescription. But you know what I mean? Like, it's it, it's a bit different, but it's the same again. Like, I think he's more predicting than prescribing. Yeah. So skipping along a little ways, he has a blurb from uh, Sapiens. 
Which is the one he, I think the only book he quotes throughout this at least no, his he, first he, half of the chapter. He does Homo Deus as well later. Oh, in the I, I must have missed that. But no, it's like I think it's after I started reading Beyond. But um, okay, yeah. So the only one he does in the portion we're going to be talking about today is Sapiens. That's the only one he's going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. But so he has a portion from there, and it's just Harari talking about how hey, sometimes revolutions happen when there was a lot of prosperity going on, rather than you know a, a bunch of a scarcity and strife and whatnot. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I, um, which again, I'm not sure. Like he talks about the French Revolution and like. The hunger was a big part of the French Revolution. That's why there was unrest, and that's why, like, the lawyers were called in. That's why the Third Estate was called because there was an unrest amongst the general populace because there'd been a bread shortage. Yeah, and that's when the bourgeoisie could be like, "Hey, we're going to push our advantage here because the state looks weak because people are rioting in the streets." So what Harari says, though, isn't the part that matters. I think it's what Alex says about it. As always, I think is the part that matters. And he says about it after this long block quote he does, quote, For the typical reader, myself included, I find that to be a fascinating, thoughtful paragraph. Harari raises an interesting possibility, namely that revolutions often start in times of relative prosperity. This idea deserves further exploration. But rather than exploring the possibilities, Harari wants to give you his answer and make you believe it. Indeed, it doesn't appear if he's an academic, interested in exploring possibilities, but a propagandist for a certain point of view, wanting to convince you to join his merry band. Mm-hmm. And then he has a quote here, just talking about, basically, a quote from Harari, I should point Which out. Which I presume doesn't directly follow, also. No, 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 but, uh, well, but again, he makes I, I can't as, check he make, because he I don't have a copy it, of the he book. He makes it seem as if it does. Right, I don't have a copy of the book, so obviously I can't check. I'll check before the next uh, time we do a book chapter, and I'll update people on where the bullshit was. But uh, it, the, the gist of the excerpt he puts in here is just basically, you know, people needed to work together and cooperate, and they did that because of shared myths. That's it. And that's going to be the thrust, I think, of the first half of this chapter that we're doing today is Alex is mad about this concept of shared myths and Mm -hmm. Harari's conception of how shared myths work. That's what Alex seems to be most mad about. So Alex says about it, quote, In my opinion, this is where Harari starts to go off the rails. Or if you want to take a less charitable view, this is when he reveals how he wants to brainwash you. Now, after I've told you that Alex thinks that it's him revealing he wants to brainwash you. Let me read you what the actual passage says. Uh-huh. Quote, The problem at the root of such calamities is that humans evolved for millions of years in small bands of a few dozen individuals. The handful of millennia separating the agricultural revolution from the appearance of cities, kingdoms, and empires was not enough time to allow an instinct for mass cooperation to evolve. Despite the lack of such biological instincts during the foraging era, hundreds of people were able to cooperate thanks to their shared myths. However, this cooperation was loose and limited. Benedict, he wants to brainwash you! Yeah, well, and also interestingly, the the bit after that says, does Harari genuinely believed that the French Revolution and the fall of the Roman Republic were due to a failure of mass cooperation and that if these cultures only had a shared myth, they'd have survived their challenges. No, I don't think he does think that. <laughs> Nor does what he wrote say that. No, but it's just, look, we had to do But also if there the had been more cooperation during the French Revolution, yeah, maybe they would have got through it. Maybe. But I don't think the shared myth is like the thing that does that. Nor, hey, does it- I, nor do I think that that's what he's saying. Yeah, I just wanted to point out at the beginning, once again, because, hey, it's been a few weeks since we've done one of these Alex chapters, right? The way Alex takes a a block of text and says something about it, says something about what he claims it means that has nothing to do with what's actually in the text Mm -hmm. at all. I thought we'd get back and, and, you know, remind people uh, of how he does that and how that's so central to what he's doing. Uh, 
But the only uh, uh, we get to a series of stars indicating a, a change in what's going on. The a only change other thing in he tone says before and that, speed. Yeah, the only thing he says before that is he, he says that you know uh, uh, Harari doesn't get endorsements from academic historians, and like Alex hates academic historians too. So why the fuck are you even? Mentioning oh, that? he really ties himself in knots in this chapter about mm-hmm. a whole bunch of things. Because yeah. he's like, Harari thinks this, and that's bad, but I also purportedly think that, but I now have to justify why I'm not thinking right. that for the purposes of this very page. But Ugh. then after that, I'll go back to thinking that. It's very weird. It's dumb person trying to be smart syndrome. Yeah, It's yeah, that yeah. all over again. So we get that series of stars, and I wrote uh, in that margin line there, oh, fuck, this is just a book report, because this is where I realized it. <laughs> uh, because this is where I realized that the entirety of this chapter is just going to be him taking excerpts from Harari's book, and then bullshitting about them. That's all it's going to be. And that was upsetting Mm -hmm. to me because we already had that with Mark Levin, and I thought we were past it. So he says, quote, This is also less interesting than what Mark Levin was quoting a lot of the time. Like, Mark Levin was quoting actual, like, interesting Marxist historians, sometimes at least. Sometimes, sometimes he was quoting, like, a a neoliberal and claiming they were a Marxist. Or the fucking (laughs) degrowth movement. (laughs) Okay, the degrowth stuff. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'll give him credit. At least that was interesting. (laughs) At least that was interesting. So he says, uh, talking about this shared myth idea, quote, In this context, I find myself agreeing with Harari that in these communities, decision-making was likely to be loose and limited. Let's simply assume this to be true. I return to the parable that started this book, the parable of Thag and Uther, the leader (laughs) and the thinker. And I look, the only reason I I even highlighted that was because I forgot about Thag and Uther and Uh, I wanted to bring him back up. Thag and Uther has driven my understanding of this whole text. I think it's the the only framework through which you can read this book is through the framework, through the lens of Thag and Uther. It is very true. So he has a, a, a story about Thag and Uther. That and makes just like, no sense and serves no sense. purpose. Doesn't matter. It's like Thag no. wants to fight the lion. Uther wants to scout it. That's it. And then like they don't really talk about why or what happens or yep. what the no. story is for. It's but hey, like, Thag and Uther exists. half a page being like, should we fight the lion or should we see what the lion wants? And then they yep. don't decide what to do well, and everyone dies. But he tries to tie that into his idea of the United States. Where he says, quote, It could be argued that the philosophy with which the United States was founded respects the wisdom of the loose and limited cooperation of typical hunter-gatherer tribe. The best formulation I've heard of the concept of the United States is that we have majority rule but minority rights. Yeah, the concept but not the reality. Right. There are certain tasks in which it's essential to take action, such as building roads, taxes, providing education for the young, or having a military, although we have decided a volunteer military is preferable to the draft. But in most things, we let people make their own decisions. And that majority rule but minority rights thing, that is something I, I hear a lot from people on the right, uh, something I'm very familiar with from my time uh, as a, a right-wing shitbag. And primarily, when I hear them using it, what they generally mean by it is, I don't like that policy decision, so I want to claim it violates my rights. That's that's generally the gist of it. I don't mm-hmm. think there's really that's much always more what it is. That. Yeah, it always comes down to policy. Everything comes down to policy. That's really what it is. They don't want to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. So skipping down a little ways. Quote. The missing component in Harari's analysis is he does not seem to consider the possibility that it was the rise of people like himself, those who think they know better than others, that has caused so much strife as groups of people began to live in larger and larger communities. And Benedict, this is where I realized that rather than the great man theory of history, Alex subscribes to the annoying twerp theory of history. (laughs) (laughs) 
That was really great. Like, oh, it's just annoying little fucks like you keep screwing stuff up for everyone. Uh, but yeah, it's just more that, you know, groups of people got larger. Right, mm-hmm. that's something that happened in history. We all know that happened, and then we lost our shared myth. And... Right, but Alex is—it's unclear whether Alex agrees with the shared myth thing or not. Because, yeah, like you said, like, he goes, "You know what a myth is? A myth is a lie." Like what? what? Right, <laughs> and that's not what a myth is. And I'm pretty sure, even though again, I haven't read *Sapiens*, that that's not what Harari means by myths. Right, they, yeah. although there are myths that are lies. But there are myths that just go about what what we are based on. The idea in America of meritocracy mm-hmm. is a myth. Now you can argue that meritocracy is a lie. Mm-hmm. I think you might have some some arguments there, but it is one of those shared myths that helps to bring people together and keep the society functioning. So there are others, obviously, that are that are you know more based in reality. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I know they are out there. Uh, American exceptionalism. Ah, fuck, that yeah. one's not true either. But- Shit! <laughs> Maybe they're all lies. Maybe yeah. they are all lies. But yeah. uh, Alex is mad about that, and then he gets mad about Harari writing about the Declaration of Independence. Oh, because and- you can't write about the Declaration of Independence. That's illegal. Yeah, I don't think we really need to talk about it a whole bunch, because Harari, I think even I, even I agree that what Harari is saying about the Declaration of Independence here is just weird. It's he's pedantic. Not- it's it's pedantic. He, he, he's Essentially, he's like, he's doing what Sam Harris does, and mm-hmm. like, taking rhetorical flourishes at face value. Oh, now and I want to find out if Harari has been on Sam Harris' oh, I'm sure fucking he has. podcast before. I'm sure he yeah. has. But also, it's, it's just that thing of like, well, that's not true. Like, rights aren't il- inalienable. Like, well, no, but like... But we're saying they are. But we're that's saying the shared myth. Yeah, that's the shared myth, yeah. <laughs> that is a, it. That is the yeah, good shared literally. myth. Yeah, so oh, it, basically God, he rewrites the opening yeah, that, sentence. I mean, that's... Uh, so yeah, sorry, he, he rewrites the the opening lines of the Declaration of Independence uh, to be... People weren't created, they evolved. Well, like it was, that. we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men evolve differently, that they are born with certain mutable characteristics, that among these are life and the pursuit of pleasure. Right. right? And, oh, le- okay. So he, ta- he takes liberty out because liberty is not a right. Right, right. A- and so then the only part I really found great about this, this page here was what Alex writes next, skipping the past a little bit. He says, Mm. Harari then commits his most egregious crime against humanity, stripping (laughs) you of any rights you might have ever believed you possessed. (laughs) And that's just where Harari writes that, you know, people weren't created, they evolved, and they certainly didn't evolve to be equal, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And I think the the point to make is that Harari's That is his greatest crime against humanity. Right, Harari's conception of biological equality is different than equality under the law, which yeah. is the point of the Declaration and the Constitution, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Even though we've never lived up to those principles, yada, yada, yada. Right? It d- immediately failed to live up to them. Immediately. <laughs> like, immediately. Not, not slaves, though. Before it was signed, didn't yeah. live up to it, right? Yeah. Uh, we all know that shit. We, and that, you know, I think you know... Later on in this chapter, Alex says something which is very much like, holy fuck, Alex, you can't say that. No, yeah, You can't yeah, say that. Cuts against everything, everything you it. fucking yeah, yeah. believe. We all know you're full of shit. Uh, but, you know, he calls that dangerous, what Harari wrote about evolution and all this stuff being myths and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. Also because Harari did, like, mention that, you know, a lot of this is based on the Christian myth of God and souls and uh, their inherent uh, uh, equality before God and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Alex is mad about that. And he says, quote, 
I don't have any argument with the idea that in Western civilization, much of the advocacy, ad, uh, advocacy for equality sprang from the Judeo-Christian tradition. But Harari doesn't seem to understand that the concept of every soul being equal before God would find wide acceptance in other religions, such as Hinduism. Two problems with that sentence, Benedict. One, mm-hmm. Hinduism pre-exists Christianity. Mm-hmm. Hinduism was around for a lot longer than Christianity. So the idea didn't find acceptance with Hinduism. That didn't happen. And also, Hinduism has multiple gods. Mm-hmm. So a soul being equal before God doesn't fit into that idea right there. Also, no. I don't know if Hindus believe that every soul is equal before their gods. I have no idea. And I don't think that Alex knows either. I think he's just bullshitting. No, precisely. And and I mean, he, he confuses himself greatly because he's like, well, it's not the mythic religions of Christianity that gives us... Uh, the mystical religion of Christianity that gives us equality before God. It's the thinkers at the time who observed the human condition. But then he goes on to say, oh no, it is Christianity, It's actually. God. It's God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's so good, man. It's so good. So then we get to that point. He re-put, I don't know why he did this, but he puts the line in again where he amended the declaration. He already put it earlier, mm. but now he, I think, forgot that he had already put it on the previous page which is is right there. You can see both of these pages at once where he has the quote, and then the page later he has the same quote about the the amended Declaration of Independence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then he says about it, quote, In this single passage, Harari tells you the globalist plan. Evolution. No, he doesn't. No. <laughs> no, he no. doesn't. No, he doesn't. He just rewrites the Declaration of Independence. This isn't a new Declaration oh, of here, Independence. Oh, here, I'll read his, his revised go on, Declaration go on, go on. just so people know what yeah, we're talking Yeah, do it again. About. Do it again. It's, quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men evolve differently, that they are born with certain mutable characteristics, that among these are life and the pursuit of pleasure. That's his version. That's mm-hmm. Harari's version. So Alex says about that, quote, In this single passage, Harari tells you the globalist plan. Yes. No, he doesn't. Evolution may have been the original creator rather than God, but the engineers, scientists, and managers of the New World Order will now engage in the work of recreating man into their own desired image. That's nowhere to be found in what he said, obviously. But he does dwell on the fact that the word liberty was removed, which I think you pointed out is not because Harari doesn't believe in liberty, but he doesn't think it's relevant to this, this weird again. I'm gonna read Sapiens before we. Yeah, we well, I, I mean, I, I, I think going on here. the point of I think again, I think this is a very throwaway bit of the book. Mm-hmm. First of all, and it's all throwaway. The entire book is throwaway. No, no, I mean of of Sapiens. Yeah. I think this is this is this is not the crux of the argument by any means, um, and it's literally just like liberty is not a right in evolutionary terms. Like that's that's all he's trying to say here. And I think, again, like, I think it's a bit pedantic and I think it's a bit of a pointless discussion to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it's just, it, it, it's the same way that, like, we say healthcare is a right and conservatives say, no, it's not. Right. Like, sure. That That's what he's doing. He's like, it is not a right because not everybody has it. Like, you're allowed, you have the right to pursue happiness or pursue pleasure. That's an animalistic instinct, potentially. And you have the right to life in in the modern... But even that, like, uh, you know, under Harari's Look, own, own terms, I don't think... I am not going to take off the table that Harari uh, uh, did not fully flesh out everything when he wrote the book. Yeah. <laughs> or that some of his ideas might just be wrong or bad. I'm yeah. not taking that off Sometimes the table. Sometimes people have ideas that are wrong and bad. <laughs> Sometimes they do. Sometimes indeed they do. So we get to the next page. And here... 
you know, it's the same old stuff. But he has another quote from Harari that he gets upset about. And this is about uh, him claiming, you know, that this this is how they're going to figure out how to control you, right? They're going to, there's, sorry, I had to burp there. No worries. Leaving it in. <laughs> but this quote from Harari uh, has the opening sentence, quote, a single priest often does the work of a hundred soldiers. And that's not wrong. Like what Harari is getting at is that social order is maintained not by violence, but by other means. Authority, Religion being normally. one of them. Yeah, yeah. Right. Religion being one of them. And Authority Alex either God-given or taken or power, you know. But the crazy thing about this is Alex takes from this because, you know, Harari discusses that, you know, even to maintain a military in proper order, you need to have a shared myth to organize them around. And he call, he says, uh, the, the soldiers must truly believe in something, be it God, honor, motherland, manhood, or money. And Alex says about that, quote, without realizing it, Harari is arguing that man does have a natural state, and in that natural state, humans do not wish to commit violence against others. They need to be organized into an army, dedicated to some principle, in order to commit this violence. That's, and th- again, not what he's saying. He's saying armies don't exist without some kind of organizational structure. I can kill someone without <laughs> being in an army. Yes, indeed. Sometimes humans do wish co- to commit violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I expect from that was also, Alex... Sorry, go ahead. You it's one of those examples ahead. you talked about of Alex tying himself in knots because he agrees with Harari, but he's trying to come up with a way in which he disagrees with mm-hmm. Harari. Well, the, the problem he, he runs into here is that earlier he decided that Harari was saying that man has no natural state. Based on what he was saying about the declaration, which Harari didn't over. say, it was not. No, no, it was just what he was saying about the Declaration of Independence, and it was right. basically because he was like, "You have no inalienable rights." Mm-hmm. So uh, Alex took from that, "Man is no different from animal, and therefore humans have no natural state of being." And then now he's like, "Ah, but Harari's tripped himself up over something he didn't even say." <laughs> so it's yeah, it's it's yeah. weird. It is weird. So we get a set of three stars in a tonal shift. Uh, that's all I'm going to call them from now on. They're not even like separated by topics. They're just tonal yeah. shifts is really all they are. Yeah. Uh, and here's like the one where I suspect the most that I will find when I get the book that Alex has taken something out of context. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he says that, you know, the globalists, these people, uh, in order to get people to accept the new, or- the new world order, uh, they have to be re-educating people all the time. Uh, you know, because because it's, it's tough work to be a dictator. It's really tough work. And the quote he gives us from Harari is, quote, you also educate people constantly. From the moment they are born, you constantly remind them of the principles of the imagined order, which are incorporated into anything and everything. They are incorporated into fairy tales, dramas, paintings, songs, etiquette, political propaganda, architecture, recipes, and fashions. For example, today people believe in equality, so it's fashionable for rich kids to wear jeans, which were originally working class attire. So Alex is taking that and he's trying to say this is Harari's plan and Klaus Schwab's plan to trick you all into accepting their new world order. I expect that when I get the book, I'm going to find that that's Harari being descriptive of the state of the actual world as it exists mm-hmm. rather than him being prescriptive in any sort of way. Yeah, I, again, I, I haven't read the book in a long time, but I would imagine that's the case, definitely. Yeah. Uh, we next get a fun section uh, about the the wonders of bureaucracy, which is actually a, a section of Harari's book, apparently. Uh, but of course, Alex is mad about that. 
Um, yeah, I mean, he he thinks that it, from what I remember, he thinks that the the world needs organizers basically, and that right. like, you can't have a world at scale without a layer of organization and professional bureaucrats, basically. Yeah, which I I think is true. Like I I think that is right. Like you can't have a world the size of the world we have without middle managers of some kind. Like whether we have too many of them is 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 another conversation. But like I I do think it is. You know, a professional managerial class, if you want to look at it. That yes, way. Benedict. Yes, I understand. The lawyers and accountants and such. Yeah. Uh, but. <laughs> Very uh, important. <laughs> all, the, all those people with white collar jobs that aren't just pushing pushing Excel spreadsheets around all day. Yes. Uh, but he, he has a, a gross paragraph where he basically says, ah, bureaucrats, that's how the Nazis happened. Um, which is yeah, not great. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. He really is. He's like, you know, uh, all this this bureaucracy, this compartmentalization, that's how uh, the German nation became Nazis. All these people going home and sleeping at night because they were just bureaucrats and didn't care. And it's like, no, man, that's turning a blind eye. That's not because of bureaucracy. Yeah. What's the banality of evil stuff, isn't it? Right, right. But we then get him talking about another chapter titled The Arrow of History. He's really Uh, jumping around here. Yeah, I yeah, just all over the place. Uh, but he says, quote, Harari starts to envision how one might create this all-encompassing order. And this is where he starts talking about uh, the idea that that um, the merchants, supposedly, have different uh, conception of the world mm-hmm. than conquerors or prophets. Where merchants, uh, you know, saw the potential unity of mankind... Conquerors just saw an empire, and prophets saw, you know, a whole one single truth, and all humans are potential believers. Which I think is bollocks, by the way. Like, sure. I, I, I don't agree with that at all. I think that's a, a poor. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't consider how they interact with each other. Yeah, sure. But Alex uses that as a lead-in to claiming that Harari loves him an empire. Yeah, loves him an empire. Mm-hmm. Um, which I do not get from the passage that Harari wrote from the, the block quote that Alex puts in here. Um, I get that he asked the question, um, are empires necessarily bad? I don't know how he came out on that because Alex does not provide us with any block quote where he gives us an answer to that question. Well, he does, he talks, yeah, he talks about the, the evil empires section later on. A little um, bit. Yeah, and and just is like empire has been one of the main forms of government in the world that has existed, and oh. therefore you have to consider it a successful form of government, which means probably there were a significant minority at least that saw it as successful at the time. Sure, successful. Does that mean good? I don't know. I'll find out. No, I mean I'm sure part. North Korea thinks it's a successful <laughs> government. Right? I know some people on Twitter who think North Korea is a successful That's government. True, yeah. Uh, but so there's this quote Alex puts about this whole empire thing, where he says, "Quote." This is from this is just Alex writing. If you are a Star Wars fan or even just a casual reader of history, you might be appalled to learn that Harari loves all caps. Empires. I love that he wor- opens with Star Wars fan there. Not because Alex like, loves Star if you Wars. Read history. He's like, well, you know who's evil in Star Wars? He the loves Empire. Star Wars. Right, oh, right. Alex. Oh, but I think I've told you this before, and it's sort of funny to me. One. Uh, is that Alex, uh, well, all of the Knowledge Fight fans will know uh, that Jar Jar Binks has a Caribbean black accent uh, because that is something Alex said on his show after he went and saw episode one. Uh, <laughs> but on the other hand, whenever a Star Wars comes up in an Alex context, he always finds himself 
whether it's intentional or not, identifying with the Empire rather than the Rebels. Which is strange, considering particularly how he portrays himself as in opposition to the current power structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He continually, like, he plays the Imperial Death March coming into his show from commercial and stuff. <laughs> and he'll quote, like, the, uh, you know, the, the Sith Lords more than he will quote any of the Rebels or Luke Skywalker or anyone else. The people who you're always quoting, he's always quoting positively, are the bad guys. It's really weird how it awesome. happens. So, yeah, we get up that big quote from Harari. It doesn't actually say anything that Alex claims it means. No, but, but he claims that Harari loves Empire. Like, that's... that that's yeah. he. Well, he says... Well, no, no, okay. Can we actually read the quote and then say do what... Do you want to read the, the, whole, the whole block quote? I'll do, I'll, do, I'll do it quickly, okay, yeah. go ahead. So he says, the truth is that empire has been the world's most common form of political organization for the last 2,500 years. Most humans during these two and a half millennia have lived in empires. Empire is also a very stable form of government. Most empires have found it alarmingly easy to put down rebellions. In general, they have been toppled only by external invasion or by a split within the ruling elite. Conversely, conquered peoples don't have a very good record of freeing themselves from their imperial overlords. Most have remained subjugated for hundreds of years. Typically, they have been slowly digested by the conquering empire until their distinct cultures fizzled out. And he calls that, Alex recognizes, that is the standard left-wing critique of Western civilization. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a direct quote and, from and, and And I mean, I would say all global imperial powers, I think, to be fair. But then he says, and I'm quoting Alex here, from that block quote, what he takes is Harare is saying that the obliteration of native cultures was a good thing. Yeah, that's not what that quote said. I read that the whole quote. That, quote said. that no, it doesn't say that. You, there may be other bits of it that, that imply that that aren't quoted. That is not what that quote says. Definitely not in that. Go quote. back. I it was about a minute ago. Go back a minute and listen to me reading that quote again. It does not say that no, that it was a good thing. Oh, but it is simply. It gets it gets better. We yeah. get to one of my favorite uh, parts of the chapter where Alex says immediately after what you just read, the good thing, quote. I stand second to none in defense of the Western values as developed during the Enlightenment. But I am not so blind as to deny that horrible historical acts perpetrated by Europeans as they spread across the globe. I will argue that these acts were a direct betrayal of the principles of the Enlightenment and should be condemned by all people. Alex constantly denies that atrocities were perpetrated by Europeans as they spread across the globe. Also, like, that's... Uh, bizarrely divided as a paragraph like he ends the previous paragraph with mm-hmm. I stand second to none in the defense of western values as developed during the enlightenment and then begins the next paragraph with, but. <laughs> but I'm not so blind as it. like that no that's not how you structure a piece of writing first of all um, yeah he, th- so this is where he starts to tie himself in knots with like uh, the enlightenment was a, a good thing but then people were doing not the enlightenment so people were anti-enlightenment I'm pro-enlightenment uh, yeah it's uh, pretty, mm. uh, white genocide is real yep uh, <laughs> so we get another quote from Harari and this is one where Harari questions whether empire well, you know whether you can divide history into good guys and bad guys that's actually what he said yep. uh, it is tempting to divide history into good guys and bad guys with all empires being among the bad guys for the vast majority of empires were founded on blood and maintained their power through oppression and war. Yet most of today's cultures are based on imperial legacies. If empires are by definition bad, what does that say about us? That's not necessarily Harari saying that, and I don't know because I haven't read Sapiens, not necessarily him saying that empires are good. It could. It's just no, him asking what does that say about but us. But it is like a history. It's like the... 
It's like what a the first lecture in a his, world history one hundred and one class. Yeah, that's like, like that. that's like what the professor would end with in yeah. like the very first lecture of a history. Think about that for next week. Yeah, see exactly. you later, class. Yeah, yeah exactly. something like that. But then Alex says about that, and this is another thing I love. Immediately after the quote I read you, quote. How can there be the slightest bit of doubt as to the methods Harari and his globalist friends will use to bring about their utopia? They are not horrified by oppression and war. They see oppression and war as useful tools, and they must be used ruthlessly. No connection whatsoever. No connection whatsoever to what had been said before. Yeah. Harari was calling oppression and war a bad thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I, what? It's bizarre. Yeah, no, and, but they'll use all oppression. Anyway, whatever. Let's carry on. Three stars. Tone yeah, shift. Tone continuing. Shift. Alex says, quote, Harari continues his terror parade. Yep. I think the threat of nuclear war and climate change. We haven't talked about nuclear war or climate change at all so far this chapter. Nor does he quote anything nope. about nuclear war or climate nope, change. Nope, he doesn't at all. He just says yeah. that Harari's trying to give you the answers. Yeah. And, and oh boy, this is where it gets fun. He says, quote, continuing right where I left off. Scaring you into thinking you need somebody to save you, but let before letting you know he has the answers. And then, in brackets, hint, they involve genetic engineering, turning you into a robot and creating an AI, artificial intelligence, God, to rule over humanity. End brackets, I wish I were kidding. That's not me saying I wish I were kidding. That's <laughs> Alex saying he wishes he was kidding. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know why it's square brackets, like an editor's note there. Like, it's that's an odd thing. I don't know. And then there's parentheses as well. It's just Parentheses like within the brackets? Yeah. Uh, we got order of operations problems going on yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. But so, um, Harari does discuss that biological engineering and these new technologies could allow us to change human beings. But again, I think it's, it's predictive rather than prescriptive. Right. Uh, but Alex says, quote, do these globalists now, after a quote from Harari, that's when this comes, Harari, do these globalists now appear to you as the ultimate mad scientists? Not only will they enslave you, but they will gleefully re-engineer you, perhaps with machines or gene editing to better suit their so, purposes. Again, I think it's worth saying what Harari said, because we're not, we're really not. I know, I just I don't, reading I know, these I know. giant block quotes from someone else, it's not I even Alex, I, I try to avoid it as much as I just as possible. don't think we can exaggerate enough how much he's not completely disconnected from the text that he's reading yeah okay i'll 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 indulge you not to read it but basically he says this is a challenge that we're going to face that we might start doing genetic engineering on humans like that's basically what he says and he ends the quote with quote who will decide what to do with such divine powers of creation He's asking the question, who makes those decisions if this technology becomes real? At which real? point Alex is like, he's doing it. He wants yeah. to do it. I, he's Klaus Schwab, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's Klaus Schwab. It's World Klaus Economic Schwab. Forum. Bill Gates. <laughs> Charles Schwab. Uh, Klaus Schwab. <laughs> <laughs> what is Alex going to do? Because, you know, I, and I know what he's going to do. I don't know why I even asked. But, you know, five to ten years from now, Bill yeah. Gates, Klaus Schwab, George Soros will all be dead. He's going to have to, you know... He's going to accidentally slip up and yell out their names when he's he's talking about whoever's running the world, right? He's going to do that. Oh, I'm sure he'll say they're not dead and that they're like, they've moved into the shadows. I don't think he's going to go there. I think he's going to have to pick new boogeymen. I think that's what he's going to do. Because, because, you know, there's always another rich person out there, right? We're... We're not going to get rid of that in this world as much as many of us might like to, right? There's always going to be another rich guy who's, you know, nominally trying to do some basic good in the world with vaccines, right? 
And that'll be the new boogeyman. That'll be whoever it is. Uh, the REI guy. It'll be the REI guy. The guy who gave up the company for climate change. It'll be that fucking guy. That'll be the new boogeyman. That's how it's all going to work out. That's my prediction. You can put that one in stone. Uh, so we get, uh, you know, the, we're in the last couple pages here before we get to the end of today's episode. Uh, and, and basically, there's just some weird stuff. One is that Alex pulls out a quote from Harari where Harari is talking about the breakdown of family and the community being a problem. Mm-hmm. Which it's strange for Alex to pull out because Alex always screams about that being the problem. Yep. Family! Because, you know, it's it's a common right-wing white supremacist, uh, uh, you know, uh, thing to say about black families, the breakdown of the family, that's why mm-hmm. we have all these problems, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, you know, they can turn it against gay people or mm-hmm. trans people or whatever. They can always pivot that into whoever they hate. They love them. a heteronormative family. Absolutely. So it's weird that Alex would pull Harari saying that that's a problem, that families and communities are unraveling. It's weird that he would say pull that out because uh, 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 it shows that he agrees with the guy. But Alex says about the block quote where that happens, quote, it's difficult to wrap one's mind around the idea that Harari and his fellow globalists are actively calling for your freedom to be restricted. Just as in the terrifying dystopian future of A Handmaid's Tale, they claim that you can't be trusted with freedom. Freedom makes you weak and unhappy. And that is because Harari said in that block quote that, you know, we have the freedom to choose our spouses, friends, and neighbors, but they have the freedom to leave us. Mm-hmm. And that might be leading to this <laughs> these family unraveling issues that happen in the world. Yeah, people are allowed to get divorced nowadays. <laughs> so I guess that's Harari saying that freedom is bad. It's yeah. so it is Alex, like you said, tying himself in knots to try and find a way to disagree with the thing that he agrees with. Oh, it's also, really like strange. this whole next section is I think him just misreading what Harari's saying. I agree. I 100% agree. Because Harari uh, is basically quoting, you know, uh, you know the James song, Sit Down? No. You heard that song? It's like, no. oh, sit down, oh, sit down. Anyway, a line in that, basically. We have to pay royalties now because no, you No, we don't. It was only much. two seconds. <laughs> um, and there's a line in that that says, if I hadn't seen such riches, I could live with being poor. Which is basically oh, Harari's man. whole I, argument look, here. Look, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm just going to say that line would have gone so much harder if it was, if I hadn't seen such riches, I could live without them bitches. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. Just going to say, we need, to, we need to do a rewrite. We need to. <laughs> anyway, Harari. We need, to get that, saying, we need to get that British TikTok old rapper guy to sing yeah, it. That's what we need. My money That's don't jiggle, jiggle. It, <laughs> Not that one! <laughs> Wait, do you not know who I'm talking about when I say the old British TikTok rapper? Uh, is he a TikTok rapper? Who are you talking about? That's, there's that, the, okay, there's like two old British guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do like really not raunchy rap lyrics. Uh, and I think everyone... they're just rappers. Is it Pete and... Uh... Yeah, that might be one of their names. I don't remember who they are, but they blew up on TikTok like a couple weeks ago. Okay. Uh, so that's the only place I ever saw them. Pete and Baz, Baz, Baz like yeah, that, yeah. They're just actual rappers. Be... They're just—they're okay. not like comedy rappers. They're like actual rappers. I had never heard of them before, but they're like seventy. That, oh, that man. that's the whole gimmick. Listen right? that's to, the whole gimmick. I mean, that's the hook. But you should actually listen to some of that stuff. It's good. oh, I did. It's okay. not bad. It's, uh, they're, look, they're there's like... this whole thing for people of myself and Benedict's age. 
where the rap we enjoyed in the late 90s and early 2000s was incredibly misogynistic and offensive. So misogynistic. But those fucking beats and those bars, they're still good. They're still so good. Uh, Okay, so British Drill is really good. And also, uh, they are actual good exponents of British Drill, which is bizarre. (laughs) Because they're like these old Cockney like gangster types. (laughs) And it's listen to listen to anyone's listening. Listen to "Plugged In" with Fumes the Engineer by Pete and Baz, and you'll get a sense of what they're about. It's okay, so I'll weird. have to pull them up on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, I'll dude. have to pull them up and give it a listen. Uh... <laughs> anyway, where were we? <laughs> if I hadn't seen such riches, I could live with being poor. Is Harari's okay. <laughs> whole thing is that happiness is relative to your expectations and experiences. Yes. And then Alex uh... is like. Oh, but what if happiness is relative? And then you're like, that, what? That is literally what he says. <laughs> I know. It's really strange because you're correct. And, and what Harari Because he gets on quoting... to, to Aldous Huxley and he's like, people mm-hmm. don't want to feel a constant high. They want to feel the highs and lows of life. And then that's Harari's whole point is that when you feel the highs and lows of life, you can relativize. Ever- is relativize a word? I it know. is now. It is now. You can experience <laughs> the relativity of those highs and lows and thus experience happiness and sadness and thus experience life more fully is Harari's whole point. Yeah. And, and what Harari is quoting is a study about lottery winners. That's mm-hmm. what he's quoting. And yeah, the and basic idea survivors. The, the basic idea is just what you're saying, right? Is that it's your subjective expectations that uh, uh, are more relevant to your happiness than than uh, any sort of objective wealth or anything mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, Alex does appear to not understand what's being talked about here. Uh, Alex tries to twist it and and actually points out something that Harari also mentioned. It's weird why he even brings it up, uh, which is just you know the, the an alternative explanation. Some people are just optimistic and some are just pessimistic. Yeah, which is very simplistic and <laughs> stupid. Thing. I think it's a thing that happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so. He says next, quote, And so we come to Harari's answer to the question of human happiness. It's not your attitude or anything that might develop on your own. It's your biochemistry. Don't worry about eating healthy food, exercising, having positive social relationships, or developing a relationship with God. Harari is going to make it all better by giving you a happiness pill. That's not, again, that's not really what he says. No. No, it's not. And, and this is, you know, this this is, again... I'm just going to have to read the whole fucking block quote again because it's so hard to explain how full of shit Alex is without telling you what he's quoting from these books. Mm -hmm. So Alex says, quote, Remember, it's always important to be a victim in Harari's world, something that has not come up at any point in any of the block quotes at all, uh, something he's not even fucking argued. Remember, it's always important to be a victim in Harari's world, not somebody who takes responsibility. Harari seems to take particular delight in the possibility of a drugged-out world as he expresses his enthusiasm for the future depicted by Aldous Huxley in his 1932 science fiction novel, Brave New World. And here's the quote from Harari. Quote, In Aldous Huxley's dystopian novel, Brave New World, published in 1932 at the height of the Great Depression, happiness is the supreme value, and psychiatric drugs replace the police and the ballot as the foundation of politics. Every day, each person takes a dose of Soma, a synthetic drug which makes people happy without harming their productivity and efficiency. The world state that governs the entire globe is never threatened by wars, revolutions, strikes, or demonstrations, because all people are supremely content with their current conditions, whatever they may be. Huxley's vision is far more troubling than George Orwell's 1984. Huxley's world seems monstrous to most readers, but it's hard to explain why. Everyone is happy all the time. What could be wrong with that? 
I very much assume that Harari goes on to discuss what might be wrong with mm-hmm. that as he continues on with the book. But let's just dwell for a moment here, right? On, on Do, the- Well, let's dwell for a moment on whether we think that whether we think that Harari thinks that Huxley's world is an ideal world or whether we think by describing it as monstrous, he might think that it's bad. Might, might, but I, I want to go a bit further than even that. I want to dwell for a moment on the actual story of Brave New World versus mm. what Alex remembers from sixth grade when he read Brave New World. Well, can um, we also focus on um, the fact that Elon Musk tweeted that we are in the middle of Brave New World 1984 oh, and uh, Fahrenheit 451 all at the same time? Great. Was that five minutes ago? Is that it something was, I missed? It was earlier this evening. Ah, oh, awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff, Elon. It's a, it's a Venn diagram. You fucking luminary. It's a you... Venn diagram of Brave New World 1984. And... You fucking star of the glass onion. Yeah. Yes, I know that it was written before Elon started doing all this shit, and it portrays all rich people, all bi- supposed billionaire savants, but Elon's the one who's closest to my mind right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Benedict. Brave New World. Do you recall? Have you read? Do you remember Brave New World? Some time ago, yeah. I, I, I will be honest, I have not read it recently. I think most American school children are made to read Brave New World, and I know I had to. But I, I have a slightly better memory than most, I think. Mm-hmm. And I recall Brave New World. Um, the entire point of the book was that the main character, um, um, he wasn't happy with this situation! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you recall that part? I do recall that part, yeah. Yeah. He was a, a natural born, right? Or whatever it was. Yeah. I don't remember if he was natural born or, uh, well, I know he was an alpha. He was the top level of society. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I think there might be, and I haven't read deeply on Aldous Huxley, but I would suspect uh, Aldous Huxley, I do know he has some some troubling views. Uh, oh, yeah. Issues. He was, uh, yeah, maybe a little fashy. In the yeah, end. a little fashy. A little yeah. fashy. Uh, but I think uh, Aldous Huxley uh, certainly thought that there were people in society who could be kept content simply, and that there were those who were superior, maybe the ubermensch in, uh, uh, you know, whatever that translates to, in Aldous Huxley's view. Mm-hmm. He was a bit fashy, uh, who needed better and were, were you know, the, the real leaders of society, yada, yada, yada. Um, it's an interesting book, but nobody's trying to make the world be like Brave New World. But next, Benedict, on to bioengineering and how they're going to make us glow in the dark. Yep, can't wait for my cyborg arm. (laughs) So he just jumps right off of, you know, pills that are going to make you happy. Mm. Doesn't even discuss any sort of, you know, he could have thrown in a whole thing about antidepressants there or something and tried to claim that was the same. Could have done it, but he just jumps right to, uh, there was this Brazilian guy who paid some people to bioengineer him a green rabbit. Which like that. is my goal in life, is to be bioluminescent <laughs> now. Like, that's where he goes with it. I don't know why he went there. Do you think I could there. pay people to make Alex Jones glow in the dark? Uh, I think we just need to make him uh, eat enough radium. <laughs> <laughs> What's the roundup problems. ingredient again? Glyphosate. <laughs> glyphosate. Yeah, glyphosate. there you go, Alex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eat your glyphosate and your bugs. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's Harari has a quote in his book about this green rabbit. Uh, and Harari, to be fair, is hyped about this fucking rabbit. Yeah. Harari is super hyped on this fucking rabbit. Um, and I think basically being like, we can do intelligent design now as if making a rabbit glow in the dark is intelligent design in any way. Right. And I think I've seen a picture of this rabbit. I think most of us probably has have because it's like, it's very distinctive. It is very, yeah, it's a glow in the dark fucking rabbit. Of course it's distinctive. 
it's a very green rabbit. Yeah. It's a very fucking green rabbit. Uh, so it's it's just out there. I don't know why everyone's so hyped about it. We, you know, maybe it's just because we live in the future and people have been doing this sort of stuff for a while now. Like you can go buy those uh, goldfish that glow in the dark and stuff. So maybe mm. that's why I just don't see it as as that strange. And you know, uh, the world didn't end because somebody got a green rabbit. So maybe it's not all that weird. Uh, I still don't think we should do it, but whatever. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. I honestly don't think I have strong feelings on glow in the dark rabbits. Uh, no. Maybe. Maybe man bear pigs, uh, but not glow in the dark <laughs> rabbits. Uh, but so Alex complains a little bit about, you know, uh, Harari's book being like some new age self-help book, all because Harari's all up on bioengineering and green rabbits and all this stuff. And he talks about how this is, you know, giant leaps in technology, all of which is like, it's true. It, it is giant leaps in technology. And there is a new agey self-help book feel kind of thing to Sapiens, it seems like to me. So I don't really disagree with either of those, but it doesn't particularly matter. No. But then Harari starts talking about cyborgs. We're all going to be cyborgs, people. No, we're not. No, we're not. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Alex has told me that Harari did say we're all going to be cyborgs. Because you, know uh, you know why we're not going to be cyborgs? Why? Because... Okay, unless because nothing you are, is that cool, well, because it'll never be that fucking cool. Yes, that. But also, unless you're literally just a human brain in a robot's body, you're still limited by your flesh and bone. Like hey, you might I've seen Futurama. It can happen. You might have a mechanical Nixon arm. Nixon smash. Okay, shut up. You might have a mechanical <laughs> arm that can, in theory, lift three tons. Yeah, it's, it's still. A it's still attached to your human body that is going to tear off your human body as soon as it tries mm. to lift three tons. So what your you will have... like a motherfucker, though. What you will have is no arm. Like, <laughs> you will not have robot bits to your body. You'll either go full robot or you won't. Look, uh, like, ben, look, as, a, as a huge comic book fan, I need to inform you of a, a little gentleman who goes by the name Cyborg, and he's mm. a member of the Justice League. Okay, well, he so, be uh, armless. Checkmate! Yep. Doubter. Doubting Benedict. Doubting. Yeah. yeah, that's what they call me. But Harari uh, claims that there's there's nothing new about these sort of uh, man-made changes to the body uh, through various means. Uh, and he points to what I would say is a bad example of castration. <laughs> points to castration. <laughs> and he starts off with oxen, right? Yeah. Says, you know, the people did oxen. Uh, but then he talks about soprano singers and eunuchs. And mm-hmm. I'm just saying, you know... Uh, Yuval, buddy, maybe don't go talk about those. I yeah, don't think, those I don't think anybody's examples. really looking for those anymore. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're not really into it. Yeah. Not really. We just had our dog neutered not long ago, and I felt bad enough about that. All right? I'm not yeah. I'm not looking to go create Do they still neuter oxen? Presumably. Do we still use oxen? What is I an oxen? I don't know. There's one dude I follow on Twitter who uses donkeys for everything, but yeah. I don't know about oxen. I have no idea. I think his name is Jeff. Uh, but then Alex starts talking, you know, how far, how far might all this stuff go? This biological engineering, you know, they're taking pigs, they're getting rid of the omega six fatty acids and turning them into omega threes. But what might they do? What might they do? And he pulls a quote from Harari where he's talking about, you know, they, they change genes in voles, Mm. the animal, a vole. Yeah. I'm not sure I've ever seen a vole. It's like a little mouse, like an ugly mouse. Ah, maybe I've seen him at PetSmart. Don't know. They sell them a pet smart? No, I don't. I don't so. know. It's like a water. It lives in like rivers or by water. Oh, oh it's not an ugly mouse. Cool. It's a normal looking mouse. It just lives okay. on river banks. Okay. Uh, but he talks about voles are horny as fuck. Uh, but they changed some genes in voles and uh, and made them get married. So you know, 
They're going to do that to us, mm. is the thrust of the argument there. Yeah. Uh, and then more cyborg stuff. It's it's really nothing new. You know, talks about Terminator, uh, Star Trek, RoboCop. Alex mm. loves his pop culture references. But then Lots we get to... 90s, 80s, and 90s pop culture references. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. But then we get to the final paragraphs that we were going to do for today's chapter. And as I do, I will read them in their entirety. And they are, quote... The enormous leaps of logic made by Harari are breathtaking. Alex. Alex! Woof. Conspiracist, know thyself. Yeah. I'm sure you didn't realize those reading glasses made you a cyborg. Because at some point, Harari said, Ah, we've been using stuff like reading glasses, and those are machines that help us, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's not wrong, but again, it's very pedantic. Yeah, yeah. We point out pacemakers, which I think is much closer to being a cyborg than than reading glasses. Apparently, there's not much difference between the typical drugstore reading glasses you pick up for 10 bucks and having a chip implanted in your head. Of course, it starts with bugs, but we know it won't end there. And then he has a quote from Harari, which is, quote, The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, a U.S. military research agency, is developing cyborgs out of insects. The idea is to implant electronic chips, detectors, and processors in the body of a fly or cockroach, which will either which will enable either a human or an automatic operator to control the insect's movements remotely and to absorb and transmit information. Such a fly could be sitting on the wall at enemy headquarters, eavesdropping the most secret conversations, and if it isn't caught first by a spider, could inform us exactly what the enemy was planning. And then we return to Alex for our final sentences. When you read Harari, you sometimes feel like you're the fictional British spy Austin Powers, listening in on the plans of Dr. Evil. Love a pop culture reference. <laughs> but instead of sharks with freaking lasers on their heads, you get remote control flies with chips in their bodies. Much have less no cool, I f- quote. <laughs> it is much less cool. And have no fear. The cyborgs will eventually be turned on those who do not submit. You will be assimilated. I it think sounds like reference. you should read that in a German accent. I, you know, I think it's a reference to the Borg from Star Trek, but I'm not a Star Trek nerd. No. I don't really know anything about Star Trek. I've never watched much Star Trek, so I don't know what voice the Borg speak yeah, with. Me, me so I, I'm sorry if I didn't do it justice. But Benedict, that is our chapter for today. Man, um, feels weird coming back to that after a couple does, of weeks, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> I had such a nice time not reading and thinking about Alex Jones at all. It sort of, yeah, it hits you a little strange it after does, you've been yeah. in the real world for a yeah. while. Um, whoo-wee, I don't know where we are with all this, but, um, yeah. That's uh, it? Cyborgs, yep. um, they want to make you take pills and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, I really don't know how to end today. <laughs> what's, the, what's the line from Robocop? End it with that. A uh, line from RoboCop? Let me think. Uh, uh, I'm, why am I blanking on the line from RoboCop? There's like, when they killed him, the... did he say, like, ow? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is probably the most important line from RoboCop. That's probably the one. <laughs> when that he dies remembers. in the first 10 minutes and he goes, ow. Uh, how about, excuse me, I have to go somewhere. There's a crime happening. Uh, I don't know. Sure, I'm not a huge RoboCop it. fan. I just remember the one because there's like a guy on the TV that does like a wacky commercial. It always pops up. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyways, Benedict, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. 
and become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early release of our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. Sarah Wolf, Megan A. Dooley, Gloria Scott, Isaac Horvat, Clifton Stuckey, Paws, Lilith 210, A Baby, Wah, Veronica Forker, Melissa C., J.D., George Saulnier, Janet Yutter, Stefan, Shannon Hellman, Utah Outcast, Brent Lee, Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Jay Reynolds, Stephen, and Cindy Dimmick, Taru Tikanen, and Balls Waters. And thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. We do apologize also, by the way, for the patron episode being late of this. We're a day late, right? Day late on what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I forgot. I can't believe I forgot that. Yes, uh, I meant to mention at the beginning, uh, Benedict's travel schedule meant that we were late uh, getting getting the, the patron episode out early like we usually do. Uh, as always, it is his fault, not mine, 100%. That's it. Till next week's show. Come quietly or there will be trouble. Goodbye. Goodbye. podcast is a production of kevin and benedict productions copyright 2020 all rights reserved music for this podcast is by silverman sound studios find out more at silvermansound.com